Good morning. Got the bounce going this morning. There we go. Come on, Nate. I know you got it. Give yeah, the fans. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Give the fans we're, what we're they bouncing. want. <laughs> good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Wake Up to Life with Lauren and Nate, your favorite pro-life morning show. Once again, I'm Laura Muzica, President and CEO of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. And I'm Nate Robertson, Vice President of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. And what a great joy it is for us to be with you again today, each and every Friday, as we spend some time talking about what's going on in the pro-life world and how we can continue to, to work to change hearts and minds on this most important issue of our times, the cause of life. As Nate said, it always is a joy to connect with you every Friday morning. We've got prayer, news, stories, a special interview, tips, more prayer. We always say it is all right here, folks. This show is available on video, live, on Facebook Live, as well as YouTube, and now also available wherever you listen to podcasts. Nate, we have been so busy here at Sidewalk Advocates for Life. We're already starting to travel. We've been to the March for Life. I'm getting ready to do an in-person training in the Denver area, not this weekend, but next. So I just wanted to give a shameless plug for our five-hour basic training. If you want to learn how to help save lives and end abortion, and you happen to be in the Denver metro area, we would love for you to attend. It's 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., uh, let's see, Saturday the 24th, so a week again from uh, tomorrow. So you can go to sidewalkadvocates.org slash boulder, because it's actually going to be in boulder, technically, sidewalkadvocates.org slash boulder. We are so proud of our Metro coordinator, Brianna, there. Again, there's got to be people that are listening to the show in Denver who want to help save babies and help save moms from abortion, right? Can't wait. That's right. It's going to be awesome. That's yeah, going to be great. Yeah. So anyways, we're making our way across the country. We may be coming to a city near you. I just want to invite everybody that if you've never attended one of our trainings and you have a heart to help moms in crisis and to save lives, go to sidewalkadvocates.org slash locations. We've never made a really a pitch for, you know, our locations tab and checking out a team near you. So I thought, well, okay, while we're doing Denver, you know, some of you are in other cities, right? And you want to know how to partake of this and and hit the sidewalk. And again, there's no obligation. When you come to one of our trainings, it's not like, you know, you went through the training, you got to sign on the dotted line for the next five years, right? We hope That's that right. you all will discern after the training, signing up to be a sidewalk advocate. But if you just kind of want to come and see and ask yourself, is this for me? That's absolutely fine with us. We'd love for you to come and, and just kind of dive in and see what it's all about. So... Absolutely. What a great um, plug. What a great intro. You know, please, I do encourage you guys to check out our locations tab. Join a team near you, or maybe you feel called to start one. We'd love That's to have right. you. Absolutely. Well, we have an action-packed show for you today. The last couple of weeks, we did a Ask Nate and Lauren Anything, kind of a fun way to begin the year, but we do have a very special interview with a very special woman. In fact, I think it was a year or two ago when she spoke at our conference, uh, Sidewalk Advocates for Life's national conference, which is now merging into the greater Celebrate Life Weekend and Celebrate Life Conference. This speaker was rated the top speaker at our conference a couple, yeah, about a couple years ago. Yeah, two years so ago. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm, we're going to do a drum roll and bring her on at the proper time, right? But just to let you know, she's in high demand. She's a really amazing young woman, and she is just changing the face of America with her testimony and with her work with this current organization. So we can't wait to bring her on and let you hear more from her. So exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, Nate, I think it's about time 
to get started. We've got caffeine, 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 I can say that word, caffeine flowing through our veins. And uh, we've got just so much good stuff to discuss today, so much to unpack. So how about we get rolling? That's right. Let's get rolling. Let's start with a word of prayer, if you'll pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to be together again this Friday. Thank you for all of the incredible things that you are doing with our yes to you, with our yes to be your hands and feet across the nation, with our yes to be um, just available to you in our local communities. And God, we're just so grateful that we know that we can continue to help women and, and men and families in need in our local communities, regardless of what the laws may be, regardless of even what the culture may be. We have the opportunity to go and be present and be um, a helping hand, a hopeful hand to those around us. God, we thank you for what you've been doing through Sabbath Advocates for Life. We thank you for what you will continue to do. We thank you for all of our partner organizations across the um, pro-life movement. And we pray today that you would continue to do miracles as you have been doing them on the sidewalk of of America's abortion facilities. Bless our sidewalk advocates, keep them safe today, and be with all those working in the pregnancy help movement today. We'll continue to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Nate. All right, for our headline slash news section today, we want to do unpack a little bit more of this story that everyone is talking about right now in the pro-life movement. So you may have seen the news that um, so-called modern-day rescuers in Tennessee were arrested for singing hymns outside an abortion facility, or at least that was the rumor. Um, You know, I threw on my attorney hat, dug a little bit more into the case, And what's a little bit more clear here is that it wasn't so much that they were singing hymns in the hallway of this multi-unit facility. It's actually that they were blocking the door to the abortion facility. It's just, you know, again, the facts of the case. Uh, These convictions under, again, the, the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act came after another group was recently convicted for blockading a Washington, D.C. abortion facility as well. So here's my quick take on this, and then we're going to kind of dial back and and kind of explain this a little bit another way. Um, I really want to encourage everyone in the pro-life movement to pause and to really look at this scenario. From our perspective here at Sidewalk Advocates for Life, having been on the sidewalk for years and years and years, we really want to encourage everyone to stay the course with what we're doing through peaceful, uh, law-abiding sidewalk outreach. In short, we really believe, and again, from everything that we know, everything we've experienced on the sidewalk, studying the law, that this is not a good idea. Um, These groups are recruiting young people to to do this. And so this is serious because they could end up in federal prison. They could become felons. They won't be able to vote or to adopt a child or (laughs) enter certain countries or bear a firearm, right? So again, we have to be having this discussion, especially when there's this is a public issue and there's recruitment going on. We really encourage people, again, to be on the sidewalk and beyond actually interfacing with those who are making an abortion decision because just blocking the door for a half day, we're not seeing it move the needle. Again, the risk is we'll end up in federal prison. Women will get rescheduled at that facility or one nearby per the testimony of abortion workers. Now there's actual abortion workers who have experienced incidents like this that have left the industry with the help and witness of a sidewalk advocate, prayer volunteer, other sidewalk counselor in their community. And what they're telling Abby Johnson, this our, our friend who is a former Planned Parenthood director and leads this organization, is that 
each time that this has happened, or at least the vast majority of times, women have gotten rescheduled at that facility or at one nearby. And I think we really need to listen to that, right? But let me dial back just a second and put it this way. Um, my question to you is, have you ever read a book or watched something on TV and it really rocks your world and causes you to ask some big questions? This actually just happened to me. Uh, if you're a friend of mine, you probably heard me talk about this lately. I've been really interested in political or spy thrillers. So I opted for one recently on Amazon called The Man in the High Castle. And the scene is set in the 1960s. The plot brilliantly lays out what would have happened if the Axis powers, Nazi Germany, Japan, and Italy, had won the war over the United States and the Allies in the 1940s. And I, I can't even begin to tell you how chilling it was to see a map of our beloved United States ruled by fascists. You had the West ruled by the Japanese Empire and the East ruled by the Nazis. And it was just, again, unbelievable to see the effects of our most cherished freedoms lost. But here's something for me that was perhaps even more chilling that stood out. And it was the anti-life attitude pervasive in these fascist regime, regimes and the close relationship with abortion today in America and throughout the world. I remember watching the second episode when one of the main characters, Joe, is making his way across America with a special delivery when he's slowed down by a flat tire and a kind police officer pulls over to help. Let's play that clip. We lost the war, didn't we? Now I can't even remember what we were fighting for. <laughs> uh, your dad a vet? Yeah. Must be proud, fine young man like you. We're not really close, but me getting this job is pretty important to him. What is that? Oh, it's the hospital. The hospital? Yeah, Tuesdays, they burn cripples, the terminally ill, drag on the state. There you go. You have a safe trip, son. Make your old man proud now. Mm. Did you catch that? So I just remembered sitting on the edge of my couch, absolutely blown away by the scene. And what I realized was they were destroying human beings that they deem as inconvenient or imperfect. And then my next thought was, boy, does that sound familiar? Meanwhile, the story's hero, Juliana, is traveling across the country with films that depict America winning the war and their freedom. This is a world that exists in a parallel universe, trying to convince people that if they can envision it, victory is possible. And there's a moment where she's in the midst of challenging some on her side. These are people who mean well but aren't acting strategically, bound to get themselves or key members of the cause hurt, killed, or otherwise removed from making enough of an impact before it's too late. So she turns to this group of people and she says, you don't want to win. You want to die for a cause. You want to be martyrs. Because if you wanted to win, you'd be doing something else. And this was another moment that I almost fell off the couch. I mean, I, I remember that my heart dropped and I have to confess that something came to mind. 
there's a small group of pro-life individuals, as I referenced earlier, working to establish a so-called modern day rescue movement, encouraging people to trespass onto abortion facility property. Participants purportedly enter with the intent to offer help to mothers inside, but with the end goal of switching to a protest disposition, blocking the doors or passages inside or just outside the abortion facility. Again, for context, this activity is, Ill is illegal. The Biden administration has jumped, as you might imagine, at the chance to charge anyone who has participated in this approach under the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, otherwise known as the FACE Act, a federal law that prohibits, quote, threats of force, obstruction, and property da damage intended to interfere with reproductive health care services alongside a felony conspiracy charge. So first you have a group of individuals that was charged last last August with blockading a, a notorious Washington, D.C. abortion facility in 2020 with ropes, bike chains, and locks. Then there was a second group charged just a couple weeks ago for a demonstration in March 2021 where they were blocking the door to the abortion facility while singing. Again, note that some in the media, um, some in, even in the pro-life movement, said that these individuals were arrested for simply singing outside of an abortion facility, but that isn't true. They were on the private property of the multi-unit facility, and they were arrested for being just in front of, of the door of the abortion facilities unit, right? Blocking the door. So these individuals now face a decade in federal prison and groups supporting these activities are trying to recruit young people to their approach. So again, this is a public issue. This is serious. Yes, it feels outrageously unfair when you consider that some protest groups are allowed to employ vandalism and even violence seemingly without consequence. And the Biden administration almost never, never charges a pro-abortion vandal, for example, under the FACE Act, though they could absolutely do so. And yet, as a people of faith who are called as per 1 Corinthians 9 to run as if to win, I want to take a moment to challenge us. Every year in this country alone, we have hundreds of thousands of mothers going into abortion facilities enveloped in such crisis that they are considering taking the lives of their innocent children with an abortion industry machine looming and ready to capital capitalize off of them. You know, I know many of us call to mind this analogy quite often. It reminds us of World War II, where those who succeeded in saving the most Jewish people from death were those thinking on a much higher level. Those who wanted to outsmart their enemies psychologically, understanding their opposition, moving strategically, most times under the radar, comparing notes and numbers as they went. And those who didn't do this were at risk of being knocked out of the cause one way or another. So just to give you one example, it would have been foolish for those on our side just to bolt into concentration camps and try to block the doors of the gas chambers. They wouldn't have saved anybody, right? Because they would have been immediately arrested or worse, and they would have missed the opportunity to really save lives. In that spirit, I'm assuming that we can all agree that our first crisis when we're at an abortion facility is doing what's proven to save the most preborn children, both in the short and long term. And that means providing immediate in intentional support to her and her child, connecting with resources, connecting her with resources through her local pregnancy resource center and beyond, helping her to stand strong in any situation, pressuring her to take the life of her child. 
We do this on the sidewalk every single day within our legal limits, and it is draining the abortion industry of business, gradually shutting them down. We do not win when an abortion facility closes for an hour or part of a day so that pro-life individuals can be arrested and removed from ministry. Abortion clients can get rescheduled and then the facilities open back up again and continue the killing. We win when a baby is actually safe from abortion. We win when a mother's heart is changed and she leaves with us and not the abortion worker. In partnership with many of our colleagues in the movement and God's grace, we are winning. We see every year thousands upon thousands of women choosing life, hundreds of abortion workers leaving the industry, numerous abortion facilities closing, all while changing culture to enable the Supreme Court to make decisions like Dobbs v. Jackson. And it's taking place through heroes like you, like you, utilizing the power of love resources, education, and life-affirming assistance without even needing to get arrested. Again, the numbers prove it. By God's grace, we at Sidewalk Advocates for Life, and this is just our ministry alone, not even some of our colleagues, right? We've documented well over 21,000 lives saved in our history. Again, I just want everyone to hear my heart this morning. I deeply appreciate anyone who has a passion to save lives and to end abortion, whether I agree with their approach or not, they will always have my heart. But we have to be having this discussion because lives, souls, and the future success of our movement is on the line. And we have to just be honest that modern day rescue has rarely saved any children. Even more concerning, it's putting what's working at grave risk as it frightens mothers already in crisis, emboldens the industry's claim that pro-lifers are dangerous extremists and motivates pro-abortion leaders to pass overly broad ordinances that prevent access for effective sidewalk outreach. Again, bottom line, the numbers don't lie. If we say yes to peaceful, prayerful outreach at an abortion facility, we may not be in the headlines anytime soon, but we will win a much greater prize, more lives of innocent children, more hearts of hurting women, and more communities gradually proclaiming a culture of life. And as luck would have it, we'll be free to reach countless more souls in the days, weeks, and months to come. So again, my admonishment to you is to keep going. Nate, I know that was a lot, but I really wanted to share from my heart this morning a little bit of a different perspective. So your quick thoughts uh, as we get ready to move into the rest of the show. Yeah, it's it's so hard to follow that. It's just so well said. It's so well depicted. The reality is we know what works. We know what works without risking arrest. We know what works to change hearts and minds. I'm continually concerned about what you mentioned about the abortion industry and those who are pro-abortion trying to use tactics like this to create more difficult ordinances or laws. We mm. know that every day across America, there are peaceful, prayerful, law loving, law-abiding sidewalk advocates on sidewalks outside of abortion facilities, and they are having conversations that are promoting women to choose life, making sure that women have medically accurate information and we can do that every day in every mm -hmm. local community, regardless of the law um, regarding like the availability of abortion. Yes, we have to be aware of the laws of the sidewalk and we can do it regardless of the culture in their local community. Right. Every day we can go to the sidewalk and we can lovingly, peacefully reach out without having to break the law. And we here at Sidewalk Advocates for Life are just encouraging everyone out there to understand that we can do this every day without having to go to jail. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, someone asked me a great question the other day, the other day, they said, Lauren, what if the face act was repealed? Like, you know, is this a moot point? And, um, I, I just noted as an attorney that even if the face act were repealed, we still have risk of bubble and buffer zones, which push people back from the, from the entrance that every time one of these law breaking incidents happens, it gives the, the city and the state fodder to pass buffer zones. Right. And that can really inhibit outreach and make it very difficult for us to reach women, which is important because this, this activity of, of sidewalk outreach is saving lives every single day. In fact, now in mod, in the modern era, it is actually more unusual if one of our groups goes to the sidewalk and doesn't see some sort of victory. Really? I mean, it, it really has changed in, in recent years because we've studied the psychology of a woman considering abortion. We've tried different things right within our, our values and the confines of our First Amendment rights. And we are seeing something work in spades now. That's and this right. also, you know, begs the other question. Like, I think a lot of people are doing this because they haven't seen maybe good sidewalk counseling. They haven't seen good side, sidewalk outreach and they really get down and out about the, the possibility of this activity alongside prayer really saving lives. But all you have to do is look to the results of, for example, 40 Days for Life and their prayer vigils to Sidewalk Advocates for Life and our outreach with our words. Something here is working and it's not just reaching women and it's not just helping eternal souls leave the abortion business, but it's also shutting abortion facilities down. So That's if right. we are looking for a solution, ideally that wouldn't land us in jail so we can talk to as many eternal souls as possible this side of heaven, right? Then this is it, it's working. Right. We found it. We don't need to be unnecessary martyrs. Um, sometimes martyrdom is the little way is just doing the next right thing right in front of you, dying to ourselves when we want to run in there, when we want to shake things up. Right. It's hard to stand on a public sidewalk and just want to yell at your culture. Why is this even allowed? But we're not doing it for us. We're doing it because that's who she needs us to be. That's who she needs us to be. And she needs to trust us. That worker needs to trust us, right? It's really something that's to think right. about. So. And when trust is broken, it's so hard to, re to restore that trust. We yeah. want women and men and everyone going in and out of an abortion facility to feel that they can trust us with what may be some of the most intimate details of their life. Yeah. How will they trust people on the sidewalk if they feel like they're fanatical and they're doing extreme measures that aren't getting the results of heart change. Right, right. No, that's exactly it. And so um, I can't make someone not have an abortion. I can't force someone against their free will to choose life, right? At the end of the day, the best chance we have is being that loving, peaceful, powerful presence in front of a facility and meeting her in that moment of crisis with hope, help, options, and resources. That's where we have a real chance of turning her heart. This at its core is a heart issue. And it may be that, God forbid, God forbid that she go in and have the abortion. Can we be there for her on the other side of that to prevent future abortions and get her onto the road of hope and healing? Don't hear what I'm not saying. We want to save every child possible, every mother and family from the trauma of abortion possible. But we can't force it, right? 
because the risk is she's just going to go make an appointment for the next day or at another facility. And Abby Johnson's uh, abortion worker ministry is telling us that that in almost every single case is happening because they've got workers who have actually witnessed incidents like this. And I think we need to be listening to that. What is working? Let's compare numbers and notes. Let's be unafraid to see what is actually moving the needle, saving the most children and helping the most eternal souls come to Christ. That really is the goal, right? And it just so happens out of luck that we don't have to break the law and go to federal prison for a decade. We can actually do it within the confines of our first amendment rights. Glory to God for that. Right. Amen. Yeah. That's right. All right. Well, uh, I have the victory story this week. And so we're going to do victory story tip, our special interview, and then wrap up the show. Uh, this is actually a different kind of victory story. It's a special blog post on our website at sidewalkadvocates.org. And it has to do with a testimonial from a woman named Jessie who attended one of our trainings in Cleveland. Jessie um, was someone who, again, attended our in-person training that we had in Cleveland that I gave a handful of weeks ago. And she came up to me at the break and she said, you know, Lauren, I've seen so many people get wrapped up in their righteous anger about abortion. And what I love about this is this is a productive way to, uh, yeah, this is a productive way to change the game, to feel like you can move the needle, to really reach a mother in a moment of crisis, step by step by step. And so I just want to encourage you to go on our blog post. The title of the blog post is He Opened My Heart to Hear the Call. And I would just love for you to hear from a lovely woman who just decided to show up and be a part of what we were doing. And it changed her heart. And I got to watch her out on the sidewalk and she was just phenomenal. But she was so inspired by just a little bit of training, just a little bit of training under her belt. And it completely changed the game for her. So again, sidewalkadvocates.org, click on our blog. And I'd love for you to hear more of Jesse's testimony about what it was like to go to the sidewalk in Cleveland to get trained and to say yes to the call. Maybe you that he's calling, right? <laughs> I love it. It's okay. such a great, just a, such a great story. Such a great reminder of the power of our trainings and the power of getting people to the sidewalk. Yeah. Thanks, Lauren. Great. So I have our tip for the day, and I'm going to just give us a brief tip as we get ready for our special interview. Today, I wanted to just remind you of the importance of your prayer life. What is your prayer life like? Do you understand the realities of the spiritual battle that being on the abortion um, sidewalk is? You know, what does that look like for you? Are you making sure that you are praying, you know, before you're going to the sidewalk, on your way to the sidewalk? Definitely spending some time in prayer after being on the sidewalk. What does that look like from, for you um, based on, you know, your, you know, Christian heritage or background? Are you going to, to mass before at the Catholic church or are you going to, you know, a non-Catholic service? Are you spending time in additional times of focused prayer? before going to the sidewalk. You know, what does that look like for you? And how are you making sure to prepare yourself for what you will encounter on the sidewalk? And I don't say that so much in like what you physically are going to encounter, but what is it that you're spiritually encountering when you're outside of the local abortion facility? So today, I really want to encourage you to make sure that you're taking inventory of your prayer life. How are you doing spiritually? What does it look like for you before you go to the sidewalk? How are you preparing yourself? How are you preparing yourself as you drive to the sidewalk? And how are you spending time in prayer after you leave the sidewalk? So again, today, my really very special but quick tip about making sure 
that you're just taking inventory of your prayer life and making sure that your prayer life is where it needs to be for the spiritual battle that the sidewalk is. It's great. Thank you, Nate. So important. Foundation of all that we do. Absolutely. Okay. It is time for a special interview. Let's get to it. I think we need a drum roll, producer. Do we have a drum roll? We need a drum roll for this wonderful lady. There she is. Okay. Let's welcome to the show, Becky Hagan, Director of Research for the Vitae Foundation. Good morning, Becky. Thanks good for morning. being with us. Thank you for having me. So good to have you. Oh, so good. So excited to have you. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Well, I believe this is your first time on our show. So we would love for you to take just a quick moment to introduce yourself and the work of the Vitae Foundation. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been at Vitae for, gosh, going on two years now. And Vitae for the last 30 years has um, conducted emotional or right brain research on the abortion issue. We've We've dug deep into how particularly women of reproductive age view the issue of abortion, mm -hmm. those who have experienced it firsthand, and then those who have not, but are certainly having a say in our culture. So that's what Vitae has done for the last 30 years. It's what we continue to do. And then we love to get our research into the hands of people who need it most. A little bit more about me, just a quick, quick overview. I've been in pro-life ministry for almost 10 years now. I had my own um, unplanned teenage pregnancies, the second of which um, was one of the first successful abortion pill reversal stories. So that little boy will turn 11 years old later this year. And I've got four kiddos now and my family and I live in Northern Louisiana. Beautiful. I love that. Yeah. And we could bring you on with to share that testimony at some point too. It's so amazing. Sure. And I know you give that testimony across the United States. So beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And as, as Lauren noted earlier, two years ago, your session at our conference was the highest rated session, such a powerful moving story of your experience and how God really used that experience and how you were able to see your child saved after an abortion had started. So Thank you again for being so open and vulnerable in sharing your own personal story and allowing it to move you into the movement, right? And how mm -hmm. you even, you know, do your work today. So, you know, you talked about right brain research. You talked about the emotional research that Vitae is known for. And yeah. it's very instrumental, um, if, in, if nothing else, in our Sidewalk Advocates for Life program and really um, very responsible in a way for the now almost 22,000 lives saved and mothers served that we know about. So can you tell us a little bit more about right brain research and how you see it shaping the abortion debate and even how you see it helping to end abortion? Sure. So right brain research, I guess I should start out by saying we aren't the only organization that uses it. And I tell you that because I think it legitimizes it. So yeah. right brain research is used by other very well-known, successful Fortune 500 companies as a, as a means of consumer research. The reason we use it at Vitae is because we know, at least to a certain extent, even though it can sound crass, that abortion is a consumer decision. Women are buying into a brand promise. They're being promised something by the abortion industry, uh, most often by Planned Parenthood, our nation's largest abortion provider. And then there's a, a transactional component as well. So with emotional or right brain research, it goes beyond surveying. It goes beyond polling. Our interviews with respondents take one to two hours and they actually close their eyes and relive experiences. And so while someone may fill out a survey uh, a certain way and say, you know, I'm pro-choice and I don't regret my abortion and I'm this, um, 
when we actually dive deeper and get down to the heart of the matter, we see real emotions come out. And that's when we're able to grab that data and say, hey, how can we as the pro-life movement uh, use what they're saying to, to market our brand, which is life and which is eternal life. So some really incredible findings that have come out of Vitae's emotional or right brain research that I think specifically have really shaped and helped uh, sidewalk advocates for life are number one, women who are making an abortion decision feel like they are making the least evil of the choices that they have. They feel like parenting brings an instant death to self and death to life as I know it. They think that adoption, you know, people always ask, well, why don't women choose adoption? Because a woman who's seeking an abortion is seeking finality. She wants the situation mm -hmm. to be over with. And mm -hmm. she believes that adoption is going to bring too many unanswered questions. It's just too many unknowns for her, at least mm -hmm. at that point. Um, and then she thinks about um, abortion. And she says, look, it's not a decision I want to make, but out of the three bad life altering choices I have, this is the least bad option I can make. And even if I suffer, and even if I grieve, I would rather know I'm going to walk into that than face any unknowns. So a key tip that I have for your listeners today is when we're talking to a woman who's abortion vulnerable or abortion determined, we never want to pit uh, abortion, which they view as the least bad against adoption, which uh, mm. is the worst of the three bad options they have. Because when we do that, they lean heavy into their abortion decision. Another mm. finding that really came out of our research that I think Sidewalk Advocates knows all too well is that when we attack Planned Parenthood or the abortion industry, when we use signage that is... Um, well, it's, it's attacking in nature, women get defensive. And that only solidifies that relationship between patient and provider. They look at us like the outsiders who don't understand. Wow. It's, just yeah. cruel. it's a disconnecting uh, moment and we lose them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's really about coming alongside that woman. And like you said so well, reconciling present with future self, that a sidewalk advocate really has a unique opportunity to stand in that gap and speak words of peace and hope into her circumstances and help her make even just, even if she can't fully do it in the <laughs> 30 seconds we may have with her on the sidewalk, just at least give her a vision of how something is possible, right? How it's possible Absolutely. to parent. Yeah. yeah, speak to her. And that came out of our research. Speak to her, speak to her hopes, speak to her dreams, speak to her fears. And you can have a conversation with her first, make her feel important and valued and loved because she is not just by us, but by our creator. And then once a woman feels loved and valued, she can begin to love and value the life that she is growing inside of her. Mm -hmm. But before that, it's nearly impossible. Mm -hmm. That is such an important human principle. You know, in the training, we talk about the mom, baby, God paradigm. And I know that for us as Christians, sometimes we want to cry out, well, wait a second, isn't God first? And that's absolutely true. We would, we want to see every, every person on the face of the, this planet come to know Jesus Christ. Right. But the question is, how do you get there? Especially in a moment of crisis that, you know, we've heard the analogy that a woman, when she's in, 
you know, facing an unexpected pregnancy and in a valley of decision, it really is like she's in a burning building and you don't run in and you, you don't run in and go, uh, do you know Jesus, right? You run in and go, let's get you out of here. And, you know, she needs to see that we love her. We care about her. And then what happens is her heart is more open to the message of baby and to God. At least that's what we've seen in over 20 years, 22, or, or, well, I've seen in over 20 years on the sidewalk in our 10 year history, 22,000 lives saved. Right. And even then approaching in such a way, in a similar way to the abortion workers who quite often have one or more abortions in their background as well. I mean, I think the idea is this right brain research, especially with how prevalent abortion has been in our culture. It is so important that we understand this as pro-lifers. A lot of times we go at this from a very left brain logical perspective, and we've got hurting people that are either considering abortion or have had an abortion, and they really are locked into that emotional right brain perspective. And so just as Christ has met us in our great need, can we run to where these folks are and love them into a decision for life, love them to Christ, right? I think that that's why this research by the Vitae Foundation is so foundational, so paramount to all that we do at Sidewalk Advocates for Life and beyond. This is relevant talking to a friend or a family member who's considering abortion as well. Um, Becky, any closing thoughts and then how can people find you and the Vitae Foundation? You know, based on what you guys have talked about today, I just want your listeners to feel encouraged. I know yeah. when we see um, certain people in the movement do, you know, things that are kind of loud and grab attention, it can be easy to say, gosh, I'm not doing enough. And you yeah. are. Your prayerful, peaceful presence is changing and saving lives. And much like Lauren, how you already mentioned, even if a woman chooses an abortion, which is never what we want. Mm -hmm. Your presence that day could change the trajectory of her life. It could, it could spare her future abortions. It could spare her future yeah. children and it could lead her to eternal life with our savior. Yeah. So be oh, encouraged. So, so well good, said. Becky. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. How do, how do people find you in the right brain research uh, information? Yeah, great question. So you can find Vitae online at vitaefoundation.org. But if you're specifically looking for our research findings or you know some implications, some some documents that we put together, uh, you can log on to vitaeresearchinstitute.org. Or if you're with a pregnancy center or you know somebody that's with a pregnancy center, we have a separate website for the pregnancy center folks, and that is vitaevault.org. Either way, we'll get you resourced. And we want to get this information into the hands of you, the folks who need it the most. And everything we do is free of charge. So there's no strings attached. Please feel free to just utilize the research as you see fit. Yeah, absolutely. That's so great. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you for your testimony and your witness. Uh, like we said, top speaker at our conference a couple years ago. And That's the Lord. It's the oh. Lord. We can never take credit. He's speaking through you so powerfully and uh, people I know can also find you at through ambassador speakers bureau, if they want to bring you in right for I'm there <laughs> as well. So thank you for being with us, Becky, really appreciate Absolutely. you and give our regards to everyone at Vitae. I Thanks will do so that. Much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So good. Well, yeah. So, so good. Um, I mean, this is so spend, important. 
Yeah, we could spend forever on that. Um, there's there's just there's individual research studies as well. Um, one of my favorites has to do with the brand strengths and weaknesses of Planned Parenthood. And we actually put a good chunk of that in our basic training. So if you're a pro-life nerd like I am, <laughs> you have to take our basic training because you're going to get at least a good overview of right brain research and the brand strengths and weaknesses of Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry, which has implications for us as sidewalk advocates. It, it affords us opportunities to step into that gap and to really help her, right? Um, I think so many of us tend to feel like we're fighting a big David and Goliath battle. And I mean, you're standing in front of big, bad Planned Parenthood, little Lauren, little Nate, right? In front of this, this ginormous mega facility that's killing children and hurting the lives of innocent women as well. And uh, it, it really is empowering, though, to know by the research and testimony and lived experience of others that we are doing the most effective thing insofar as God has shown us at this point in history, right? We continue to learn. Vitae continues to do research. Um, but it is so uplifting to know that we have this huge body of research behind us at Sidewalk Advocates for Life that shows us, again, that at this point in history, we're doing all that we can and that we're, we're far more effective than maybe most times we can see on the sidewalk. Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Good. Yeah. It's just so good. It's so important. It's so important that we really understand it. And man, we could have spent at least an hour talking with <laughs> Becky of, about the issues and about the great stuff that Vitae has put out. That's so helpful to each of us. So yeah, thanks again. Thanks Lauren. I think it's time for some scripture and um, prayer as we begin to round out the show. So Today, I wanted to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Yes, that's typically known as the love chapter. And I was just thinking about highlighting a few verses from this chapter, because I do think that it has so much to do with what we do here at Sidewalk Advocates for Life. It's actually a part of our training. Um, these verses are a part of our training material. And it's it's just so important that we continue to remember the, the words of um, how important it is to keep love in focus. So if you'll let me read a few verses for you, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And I'm reading that today from the ESV version. And yeah, I'm a little bit of an emotional mess today. I apologize for that. But Becky's words were so powerful. And these scriptures are so powerful. The reality that, you know, Jesus is asking us to have love as our focus. These are the words of, of Paul um, as he's writing to the Corinthian church based on all of, all of what Jesus taught us. That love must be how we lead. We must lead with love. We must understand that love does not, you know, desire attention. Love isn't irritable. Love doesn't want its own way. You know, to be loving, to, to show love is to bear with one another, to rejoice with the truth, to believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. So today I want to just really encourage you before I get into too, too, being too long-winded, I just want to encourage you to take some time and read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 today. Read the whole chapter. It's not very long. And really begin to meditate and pray 
on the reality of what it means to lead with love, what it means to really understand that God is love, and what does it take for us to embody those attributes, those characteristics? How can we love a little bit more today? Just maybe 1% more than the way that we loved yesterday. And so with that, if you would pray with me as we close out the show. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be together today. Thank you for the Vitae Foundation and Becky Hagan and her powerful part in the pro-love, pro-life movement. We thank you for Vitae's research and their dedication over the last 30 years to be researching you know, how women are feeling in, um, in their decision to abort. And God, we just pray that you continue to use their research to propel the movement forward so that we can see a, a more, um, more life-focused America across our great nation. God, we thank you for what Sidewalk Advocates are doing across the nation today and beyond, and we're just so grateful to be called by you. Right now in this moment, I just ask that you would reveal to us more about your love, your love towards us and your love towards all of those around us and your desire that we would lead with love. We're so grateful for the powerful scriptures of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that teach us what love is and what love is not. May we operate out of those principles. May we try to love a little bit more today. We're so grateful to be called by you. We're so honored to be able to serve in this great ministry and in this great cause, the greatest human rights battle of our times. May you bless us, protect us, lead us, and guide us. We'll continue to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Nate. I always love it when we do a show and like a theme emerges, right? Uh, there was something there about love and connection and understanding that um, love that propels us to go do the, the, the best thing for the person who's in front of us. That's right serve them where they're at rather than where we want to be right i think there's really 100%. something to that so let's right. love greatly this next week and we hope that next week you'll join us for another episode of wake up to life with lauren and nate we'll be here next friday 9 a.m eastern 8 a.m central youtube facebook live or wherever you get podcasts have a great week everyone bye yeah bye